listening to Self-Publishing Journeys, the weekly podcast for all new and aspiring self-published authors. Stand by for tips, resources, hints, and practical techniques to help you on your own self-publishing journey. Meet indie authors at different stages of their writing careers and hear how they manage to get their own books published and making sales. For show notes, web links, and useful resources, please head to selfpublishingjourneys.com. But now, it's time for this week's interview. Here's your show host, self-published author and digital marketer, Paul Teague. Welcome to Self-Publishing Journeys for Monday the 3rd of October. This is episode number 31. My guest on this week's show is Ali Luke, who writes blog posts, non-fiction e-books and fiction. Ali works with authors too, and her website, Ali Ventures, covers the art, craft and business of writing both fiction and non-fiction. She's written for several popular blogs like Copyblogger, The Write Life, Write to Done, The Creative Pen, Pro Blogger, and Daily Blog Tips, as well as Writer's Forum magazine. As a self-published author, it's very likely that one of Ali's books has already passed through your hands. In actual fact, I discovered one was sitting on my bookshelf because she's the author of Publishing Ebooks for Dummies, which was published by Wiley in 2012. When we sat down to chat, I began by asking Ali how her traditional deal with Wiley had come about. I got an email out of the blue from one of their acquisition editors just saying, would I be interested in writing a book for them on ebooks for dummies? <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> um, so it was just it was just a case of, I guess, a lot of luck and being in the right place at the right time. I was speaking about ebooks at Blogworld, which is now New Media Expo. Uh, back at the end of 2011 and I think I was the only person in the lineup speaking about ebooks for whatever reason and I think yeah Wiley just got in touch because they'd seen my name listed I don't think they even came to my presentation the editor couldn't actually make it to the conference so it just kind of went from there and I think about you know a month or two after that email we had a contract and then six months later you know I was handing in the finished book. You published it four years ago does it need updating you know is it a fairly general book and it's good to go? I think it's probably definitely due an update. I think I've been wondering whether I should get in touch with Wiley and say, hey, do you want an update, guys? Because, yeah, it's kind of got to the point where I think enough stuff is probably becoming a little bit outdated. It was pretty general. So the majority, you know, the kind of general stuff is never going to change, is it? I mean, like you know, writing a good book. and But the specifics of things like exactly how Amazon is working stuff, so things like Kindle countdown deals are completely new from when I wrote the book. So I'll I would like to do an update sometime, ideally in the next year or so, yeah. It's amazing for something that's based on technology for it to have lasted so long, I think. I suppose by this point, I guess things like Facebook and WordPress are quite well-established technologies. You know, they're not sort of up and coming. <laughs> they're kind of, yeah, they're well-worn now. So, yeah, I'm pleased that it's, it's weathered things well. All the reviews I've had recently have been positive. Nobody seems to have been saying, oh, gosh, this was hideously outdated. So I think it's serving its purpose. But I do think, you know, it's four years. And as you say, technology moves on so fast that I think it's due an update, hopefully in the next year or so. It's a great thing to happen to an author to have Wiley approaching you and asking you to write a book, for goodness sake. And, and what a great book for you to be asked to write, because it's right into the heart of what you do for a living. Has it, has it served you well over four years? Yeah, it's been definitely great for just being able to say I've done this and have it against my name. It's been, I guess, a mark of credibility. And yeah, it, for me, it came at a slightly odd point in my career because I literally handed in the final chapter of the manuscript the day I found out I was pregnant with my first child, which was a lovely day. But I guess just in terms of timing, it meant that everything was happening a bit all at once. So by the time 
the book hit the shelves I was you know several months pregnant and life has barely stopped since so I, I perhaps haven't been able to take advantage of it or leverage it in the ways that I might have liked to I haven't really done for instance much speaking in the last sort of three or years or so uh, just because it's been hard to travel and to get away from home but definitely I think it's been great to have my name on it to have it out there on the shelves um, for me personally I guess it was a good experience of seeing how a very large publishing company works seeing their processes and how streamlined they have things because they turned the book around you know it was less than a year from the, them approaching me to the book being on the shelves which for traditional publishing is, is pretty fast and how much did they just leave you to to get on with it and accept your expertise I do wonder with the for dummies books because you're, they're coming to you as an expert they don't know it themselves do they so to a certain extent presumably they have to trust you no they had a good process with editors actually they had so one editor did the kind of copy editing that you'd expect you know line by line just making sure everything was phrased clearly making sure it was in their house style in particular which obviously in a series like that is important they also had a specialist technical editor who went through to review it on a sort of expertise level you know so not so much is this sentence grammatical more like you know is this factually correct is this how amazon works is this how smash words works and so on so, yeah, they had kind of several stages of editing and then proofreading as well. That's very interesting. How did they do the um, screenshots of there? Did you do those mm-hmm. or did they produce those? I did those and I had exceedingly detailed instructions on how to set up my computer correctly. So I still have a user account on my laptop, which is specifically set up to do dummies screenshots because it's, I guess, to be, again, to be consistent. There's, yeah, there's quite a lot of things you had to follow. You know, once you'd set it up once, it was fine. How many words were in that book? Because uh, for dummies books are formatted I mean, they're really easy to read. I love the way they're formatted, but they've got lots of ticks and lovely fonts with the headlines. How many words are actually in that book? That's a really good question. I'm not sure I ever counted. <laughs> I, turned oh, right. in, I turned in like a quarter at a time. Um, I think it was somewhere around the sort of 70,000 mark, but I honestly couldn't tell you off the top of my head. All right. I just wondered because, you know, there's so much formatting. They've got cart- I love the cartoons and all of those things. I, I do see those, yeah. <laughs> Did you have any say in that? Uh, no, I don't think so. Not that I recall. I mean, I guess if I hated something, perhaps I could have said, you know, I don't like this. But I think basically they just put them all in once they got the text. So, no, I love them, though. Well, fantastic. I mean, it's a, it's a great thing to have to your name. And we'll explore, obviously, the other things that you've done because you've done much more than this. Um, did it change your life? That's the thing I do want to ask you, because people seem to think, I mean, you know, I would go, ooh, look at that. It's, you know, it's for dummies. What an amazing thing to do. Did it change your life? To be honest, no. No, <laughs> sorry to disappoint. It it was oh, a great right, experience. Okay. I'm, I'm glad I did it, but I I guess maybe as I say, because I just wasn't in a position to leverage that so much. It it wasn't the case that yeah, nothing was radically different afterwards. Um, but you know, it's hard to know. I mean, how do I know what you know what I guess opportunities have come my way as a result of people finding me through the book? So yeah, tricky to know, but. As far as I'm aware, you know, good experience, great stepping stone in my career, but but not in itself, you know, the one moment or something. And then you said that you got the the deal or the offer originally because of your kind of status in that in that that blogging world, that internet marketing world. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got quite uh, some pretty good credentials on, on, online. Uh, copy blogger, the Right Life, Right to Done. You've been on the Creative Pen, Pro Blogger, Daily Blog Tips. Uh, oh, uh, Writers Forum magazine. You're all over the place. I get around. You've had a great... Yeah. So how, how does that come about? How, how do you create the circumstances whereby you get to do that? I write to people and say, here's a post for your blog. Would you like it? It's in, in essence. And um, I 
think I've once had somebody say no. So yeah, I just I try and write them a good post that will fit their blog, and usually they're happy to publish it. Um, and then quite often I try and build up a bit of a relationship from there, and I do a post every month or every couple of months. Um, I'm one of pro bloggers' subject matter experts now, so I'm trying to write for them every month or two, which has been which has been a good opportunity so far. And how much traffic does that drive for you? Because this is the name of the game, isn't it? Is getting your name out there and then getting traffic, web traffic from high traffic sites mm-hmm. to, to your to your place of business. It it definitely gives me a spike in traffic. Uh, recently, I've been trying to drive newsletter subscribers more than just traffic per se. So in my bios, I'm linking to freebies and stuff to get people onto my email list. It definitely it's having the effect. My my sense is is that the guest posting is not such a strong effect as it was maybe five years ago when I did a lot of this and it was really pulling in traffic and, and sales of my nonfiction ebooks and stuff. Um, I don't know whether that's because I haven't had quite so much time to devote to it in recent years or whether there's just now so many people doing guest posting that the effect gets a little bit diluted. I was really interested when I was digging around on your websites and your web presence. Um, I, I've been doing this for some time. I guess my peak was 2008, 2009. And I mm-hmm. felt looking at what you were doing, that you've been around since that time. You've been on the scene too. And I get, the, I just got the feeling that you knew about all the old SEO techniques and the mm-hmm. backlinks and things like that. Is that right? Is that the where you come from? Yeah, I got started at the very beginning of 2008. So just, I suppose, blogging was really exploding as you know pro blogging and and there's something that you can make money from um and i worked in it at the time so i guess i was kind of lucky i had a good background for that yeah i've never done a huge amount with seo but certainly when i was first doing guest posting i was aware of you know trying to get backlinks trying to get keywords and stuff i think google's getting much smarter and now you know if you can write great content it doesn't really matter exactly how many keywords you've stuffed in or you know (laughs) exactly how you've linked to it obviously links are still really important but yeah, Google becomes ever more sophisticated, at least in my understanding of it. Yes. Did you ever do easyinarticles.com yeah. if you're from... <laughs> there's probably still, if, you, if you search around the web, I'm sure there's a few under my maiden name. Yeah, I did. I, I, was, I had platinum or whatever they have. Yeah, it was... Um, I, I don't know. I'm not sure it was really worth bothering, but, you know, <laughs> there was all sorts of blog carnivals and loads of stuff around back in the day. That's so interesting. I can date you from your uh, your online experience because you were obviously doing it right when I was learning all of this stuff. And, and in those days, of course, I mean, easy in articles nowadays. I mean, I think that with Google's algorithms changing and it's just got so much more complex. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's as powerful as it once was, but I can remember getting articles uh, from easyinarticles.com. It's how I started with my first blogging. Um, it got pa- my blog posts into page one of of Google using easy articles in those days, but I don't think it would work nowadays, but I think it's just changed too much. I think certainly two, three years back, they sort of got slapped by Google um, as a bit of a content mill. And yeah, I've just, I haven't even bothered. In fact, I think a couple of months ago, I just went in and deleted all my articles there because I don't think they weren't doing anything for me. And yeah, I just kind of wanted to move on from that stage, I guess, of my internet marketing. Now, you come from a very interesting background because you've got an MA in creative and life life writing. What's creative and life writing? So life writing is biography or autobiography. I didn't actually do any of it. It was just the title of the course, basically. Um, it was an, like it, you could do fiction or you could do poetry or you could do life writing. And I did fiction. So we had to study life writing, but I didn't actually produce a memoir or anything. Um, I was 23, I think, when I started my master's. So I didn't really have a great deal of life to write about. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, limited <laughs> limited material on which to draw, I guess, at that stage, yes. Um, so what, how did that help you then? How did that, were you already writing when you did it, or was that the thing that inspired you to write? Um, I was already writing, it, so I did this at Goldsmiths um, in London, mainly because I was living near Goldsmiths, but also because it has a good reputation for creative writing. I had a fantastic tutor there, uh, Francis Spufford, who's a really good non-fiction and fiction writer and he was very encouraging and very supportive with my novel in progress as were my course mates um, a number of whom I'm still in touch with and met up with for years after we'd all finished the masters uh, and probably would still be meeting with them if I hadn't moved up north from where they all are in London so yeah it was a fantastic experience largely I suppose because of the people I met not purely because of the tuition I had there and I suppose most master's courses, this one included, are slightly geared towards the more literary end of fiction writing. And I'm probably more on the kind of genre commercial side of things. But, you know, I definitely I could see the progression in my work as a writer. If I look back at the stuff I wrote at the start of that course compared to the end, it's staggering <laughs> how much I came on. And this was, you know, this was after I'd done an English degree and evening classes and, you know, tried a bunch of novels and shows stories and all sorts so yeah it was just a really good good step in my progress I guess of really learning the craft of writing well. So had you produced any books before you did that course the ones that never got published or saw the light Uh, of day? Yeah so I'd written let me think four three or four novels in varying degrees of completion uh the most finished one I'd been shipping around to agents and I think one agent asked for the full manuscript and then decided they didn't like it after all uh which was the you know which is the point at which I started to think perhaps about self-publishing and so on can I let you into a secret I've just had that experience (laughs) today today it's just literally coming about an hour before you and I spoke was the can we see the full manuscript and then the you know the wah 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 when when it's a no no thank you very much it's um you can go from a high right down to a low with that can't you it's quite crushing yeah that's that's quite hard ouch poor you yeah yes I know well I I I, you go if you had a little trajectory or a graph it would go up 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 then down and then it would go up 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 you have to have quite a lot of resilience I mean you've been at this for a long time have you got a thick skin I have a folder full of rejection letters. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think you just have to separate yourself from the work and accept that for whatever reason, it might not be right for a particular agent or a particular reader. And of course, it gets to you sometimes. But, you know, I mean, you're never going to please everyone, are you? And sometimes it's just for whatever reason, you know, somebody didn't quite click with your work. Yeah, I, well, I just view it, you're throwing small balls at coconuts, yeah. you know, and, and eventually you might hit one if you get lucky. I, I, you know, I, I, I literally think of, of it like that. You've got to get the right person, right time, right script, and the chances of that are quite low. And, of course, they've, um, it's, they've got to, they're not publishing as, I say they're not publishing as many books. They've got to be much more cautious because they're, it's like Dragon's Den, I always think, publishing a book. You're taking a punt on a product and you hope it's going to sell and bring a return. Absolutely. And it must be a really tough time for a lot of traditional publishers right now. You know, the ebooks have shaken things up so much over the last six years or so. Yeah, I think, and probably understandably, agents and editors are are cautious and they kind of want to take on books that they're sure will be a success rather than take a risk on, you know, something very different or, you know, a, a brand new unestablished author or something. I'm interested to know, having done your master's, Uh, and you, you seem to establish yourself first in in the blogging arena is that is that right or have I got that wrong no you've got that right I guess what happened is I started doing the blogging and then 
um, sort of in the very, very early days of that applied for the master's. So by the point at which I started the master's, I'd, I'd left my day job about a month before to pursue well, essentially freelancing, blogging, plus doing a master's degree. And so it was all a bit sort of jumbled in together. But for the two years that I was writing fiction on the master's, which was a part time course, um, I was also blogging and freelancing on the side. And that was kind of how I paid the rent and sort of got through <laughs> the master's degree. So, yeah, so I, I guess certainly in terms of my kind of public face, everything I published up to ooh, 2011, uh, when I brought out the first novel, was nonfiction and was mostly blog posts. OK, let's talk about the novels mm-hmm. then. Um, it, it took you quite a long time then what, to get one finished mm-hmm. or to get one that you were happy to publish. Which which of those is true? Um, I guess for me, it's almost the same. So. So I finished the first draft of Lycopolis, which is the first novel I published, um, about a year into my master's course, so halfway through. Then by the end of the course, I, I got a sort of you know good version, a good redraft, but then that went through another year or so of me editing and revising and tweaking, um, you know, based on feedback from the course, based on feedback from other members and so on of my group. And then I brought it out. Uh, as, a, as a self-published ebook and slightly later as a paperback so I guess it just took me that long to be happy with what I produced and to go through the editing process and so on and it was one of those novels that changed an awful lot from kind of first idea to first draft to second draft and so on you know it went through radical rewrites so why was that well, I've always when people talk about really having to completely rewrite a book what, what was wrong with it I think I didn't know the story I wanted to tell to begin with so there were some quite fundamental bits of my story that it- emerged you know five chapters into the writing at that point I think I was very much what people call a pantser you know somebody who votes by the seat of their pants and kind of makes it up as they go along I'm, I'm much more of a plotter and planner now but I guess maybe that's just where I needed to be at that stage of my of my development as a writer so it was the first draft was very exploratory um I guess I was playing around with ideas I was trying out things for my workshop group seeing what worked it was quite a complex novel to write in the sense that I had multiple viewpoint characters with Lycopolis, although I did have sort of two or three who were, I guess, main characters. I also had a story within a story, and and the deciding how to sort of structurally tell that took me a while. So I guess it was more complicated than any novel I'd attempted before. And by the time I'd finished it and published it, I felt like I'd given it my all, and it was, for me, the best thing that I'd written, up to that point at least. Great. Well, that, that, that's a nice way to feel about it. How, mm. how was your self-publishing experience and how did it go through that first book? Um, I guess, obviously, like every self-publisher, I'd hoped that tens of thousands of readers would flock <laughs> to my doorstep with no effort whatsoever. Uh, it was a little bit of a disappointment. <laughs> Most people think they're going to build a website and they'll be millionaires by the end of the week. And the first disappointment is they're not. I found <laughs> that it's exactly the same with self-publishing. You just said it there. You think you'll be a millionaire by the end of the week and you're not, are you? You've got to learn how to sell the thing. Yeah, and that was the for me, that was tough because I guess I'd spent the last three years learning how to sell my nonfiction, learning how to sell my services, learning how to sell ebooks and so on that were that were very kind of specifically about blogging. And then everything I'd learned did not apply to fiction. So I did a whole month of guest posting, which I which has worked very well for me when I marketed other stuff. And I sold about a dozen copies of my novel as a result of those guest posts and it was pitiful and it was a lot of work for very little return in the middle of, and also the marketing was all happening while I was trying to write my dummies book so yeah yeah so just all the timings of things got a bit kind of skewed by that and then 
it's only really in the last few months that I've tried to get back into, okay, I'm going to run some Facebook ads, I'm going to look into BookBub, I'm going to really get my head around the marketing side of things. So I suppose over the intervening, you know, gosh, nearly four years now, I've been mostly concentrating on, you know, getting some reviews and writing the next book and writing the book after that and just being in a good position to kind of move forwards with it. Yeah, I think you make a really interesting point there because you wrote that book four years ago mm. and, and you're saying here four years later, I'm looking at marketing that. It's mm-hmm. an asset, isn't it? It doesn't it doesn't go off. It doesn't go stale in the cupboard. It's an asset for you. Yeah, and I guess with some books that would be trickier because if I'd written something that had been very, very specifically, you know, about that point in time or something, um, then I guess that would be, you know, I guess like say I was going to write a book this year about the EU referendum. Refer- random if i waited four years to market it that would be too long it'd be completely pointless um so i think yeah it's a novel that although it's contemporary it's not so very very up to the minute contemporary that you can't read it four years after it was written um i'm frustrated that i haven't managed to kind of market it and to get on with that unfortunately it's just been a case that there's been so many competing priorities going on in my life um not least two very small children (laughs) but yeah the practicalities have just have just not worked out there but yeah I think you know it's completely unrealistic to think that you'll sell books without any marketing and I guess I knew that I wouldn't um you know I sold some I got some lovely reviews I got some you know at least one lovely email from a complete stranger who'd found the book on Amazon and and, you know read it 20 times and thought it was brilliant so, you know, it's a bit of an ego boost as, as an author, but mm. it, yeah, definitely the fiction is not, not at the moment really an income stream for me. That's very much still the nonfiction. Yet you went on to write Oblivion. Mm-hmm. You, you did the second I one did. and you did that um, whilst no doubt learning all sorts of interesting things about time management with young children. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Oblivion was just a complete pain to write because it, it, there were so many gaps where I'd, you know, I'd write it for a few months and it'd be I do nothing for six months and I come back to it and I'd have changed things and yeah so it was, it was a pain to edit and a pain to revise and it, it took me forever so I'm kind of determined with the third book in the trilogy which is as yet untitled that it will not take so long and it will just be much more streamlined and so far so far thank goodness that's going well actually yeah where, where are you up to with that so I'm now uh, slightly more than halfway through the second draft so I've you know got a complete first draft I'm I'm doing what I find is the easiest for me with my workflow which is rewriting from scratch so i finish the first draft i go back to page one and i pretty much start again with a blank page i might retype some sections or you know just copy and paste a few sections of dialogue but virtually every sentence changes blimey that's that's a lot of work and a big commitment isn't it it's it's what works for me i like to write the first draft quickly um and yeah, I, I tried to with oblivion the second novel i tried to do it in a kind of more efficient way you know write it one time and then kind of edit and tweak here and there and it just became a big mess so i think maybe it's just a case of that's my process right now and i have to kind of put up with it or work with it do you use any tools to help you i use scrivener uh probably badly because i've, I've never got around to taking any training on it but I, te- I tend to work in quite a linear way so you know i start with chapter one and i kind of work on to chapter 40 so I haven't done anything massively fancy to be honest i just sort of i just kind of sit down and write it i used to write in microsoft word um and occasionally just in full screen text editors nothing fancy at all um to be honest as, long as i can get words down onto something <laughs> i'm happy let's talk about time management um because i bet you've been really through the mill on that one with with young children a lot of people say oh i can't write a book i've got no time yet here you are managing <laughs> to manage a writing career with young children how do you do it what are your strategies 
Well, yeah, I thought I was busy before I had kids. You know, I thought, gosh, I never have enough time to write. And then you have kids. <laughs> All this time I didn't know I had. Um, yeah, it's a whole different ball game. Um, I, I guess I'm lucky in a lot of ways. I, my husband is very supportive. Um, we have some childcare so that I can concentrate on blogging and you know, things that are bringing in money. And the kids are, as kids go, you know, pretty good for their ages. They usually sleep through the night fairly reliably they go down to bed pretty well in the evening and so on so it, it, i'm sure it could be harder than it is put it that way but it's not it's not easy the thing that's worked best for me with the fiction is to have a very specific slot of time every day for writing my novel and that is pretty much always from 5:15 to 5:45 in the afternoon it is that specific because that is between the children's tea time and their bath time and it's a time of day that it's pretty much guaranteed my husband will be home by then he's usually home quite a bit earlier but he's always home by five um so so come 5 15 i sit with my laptop and put my headphones on and ignore the screams of the children or whatever's going on in the house <laughs> and i write my novel and it's and it's lovely um and i think i'm a better mother for it when i get to bath time <laughs> yeah, uh, yes. yeah so it's but you know you really have to kind of i guess fight to establish that in your life you know whatever's going on whether you're a parent or whether you've just got a busy day job or you've got you know, friends and family and all sorts going on. And actually, to my embarrassment, I think I'm writing more now and writing more consistently on my fiction than I did when I was a student 10 years ago, you know, when I, I was undergraduate and I had all the time in the world, really, you know, <laughs> long summer breaks and like not too much of a workload studying English literature. So in some ways, I think when you're busy, you just have to make the most of, the, of every bit of time available. Yeah, and uh, it's really interesting how you're prizing that time into your day because that really is a minute window of opportunity, isn't it, to get the writing done. And I, I remember doing this when I started trying to go into business. My my first time was an hour in the evening after the kids were put to bed, and it was TV time. It was time that I would have spent watching telly. I stopped watching telly, and I prized an hour into a busy day. And, and I think you've done the same. I think you've got to do that if you're going to get the writing done. You know, lots of people make excuses, and as a coach, you must know this. People make millions mm-hmm. of excuses not to get the writing done. But I think there is always time, isn't there? I think there's always time for what really matters to you. It's tricky because sometimes what people say as I just don't have the time or I couldn't find the time or when I was coaching, it was often, hey, can we postpone the call because I haven't written anything yet? It's not really the time. It's more like they're afraid and or they're kind of resisting it or they're holding back or they're procrastinating. And yeah, it's a very tricky balance sometimes between being kind to people and supportive, but also being a little bit sort of giving them just a little nudge and say, well, actually, you know, can you commit to even just one hour a week or something? Because I'm pretty sure that almost anybody could find like an hour a week. You know, I'm sure like the prime minister could find an hour a week. Surely, like anybody, however busy and however important your roles are. Um, and it, it is tough sometimes. And I think as a parent, it can be hard to tell yourself it's OK to kind of step away from the day to day of life. You know, if you're the one who's normally in charge of the kids. Uh, maybe it's helped for me that in the early months of like, when we just had one kid, it was my husband who did most of the childcare. So he was kind of between one degree and the next. Um, I think he was just kind of or just finishing up one year of his master's and then he had kind of like a long gap before the next year. So he did virtually all the childcare, you know, four and a half days a week. He had our little girl and I'd, I got on with my writing and my business. So I think. For I've noticed for quite a lot of women, even even in you know 2016, it's the case that they kind of feel they are responsible for the children of the childcare, and it can be very 
very hard to say to yourself more than to anyone else, look, I need some time for me to do my writing, to do my own thing, to be an individual, not just a mother, and to step away from that. And that sounds horribly sexist when I say it, but just both me and my husband, who's also called Paul, like you, we for both of us, we've kind of been shocked by just how gendered in the UK in 20, you know, 2013 when we had the littlest, uh, sorry, the oldest, and 2016 now we have two of them. It's just, it is very much the mothers who do the looking after small children. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree with you. I, th- I think it is still the case. Um, one of the many reasons that I wanted to talk to, time management was one of them. Mm. Um, another one is you are really an author entrepreneur, an authorpreneur, as they're called. And uh, I found one of your blog uh, pages, which was fascinating, where you outlined your income sources over the years that you've been writing. Um, uh, Fascinating to see this. Um, I'll just run through it quickly. Um, Paid writing for blogs, website advertising, affiliate promotions, coaching, ebook sales, running e-courses. Now, that's fascinating. For the author who wants to know how to make a living from this, uh, you've already kind of told me that it doesn't come from the from the fiction books this is where it comes from i assume yes it is and that i don't think should, should suggest to people that you can't make a living from doing fiction by mm. any means it's just that's where i started i started off with paid blogging and freelancing and slightly later teaching people how to blog you know I, i've done work with businesses i've done work with kind of individuals and so on on that and so that has always been the bulk of my business and it's just in the last few years that I've been trying to turn it around slightly towards fiction and you probably know of other people like Joanna Penn is a good example who's done the same you know who started off primarily focused on non-fiction and I think for Joanna Penn now she's probably about half and half with the fiction income versus the non-fiction and doing extremely well at it I don't know if you're familiar with Johnny B. Truant I imagine you are as a as a fiction self-publisher mm-hmm. yeah I knew Johnny I don't know if you were around Johnny sort of back in 2009 maybe like as you say the very early days of blogging he was writing about all sorts of kind of non-fiction topics i think he had a blog on like diabetic weightlifting or something he like some really kind of niche topics going on back in the day before he ever started publishing fiction and of course he's now very much known for fiction and for self-publishing but i suppose a lot of people you know like you and me and joe and johnny have kind of gone through different stages in our in our growth i suppose as writers and yeah for me i'd never give up the non-fiction and I love doing it, but I would like the fiction to gradually become a larger part of my writing day and of my income. Yeah, I mean, I, my experience is I write non-fiction and fiction. Mm. Uh, and because I come from the same background as you, I, I understand how keywords work and, and how the whole, the whole business works. Amazon's just like a big search engine. And if I do non-fiction, it's just keywords. It's people put keywords in, they find my books. It's a, it's a simple match, just like Google is. But with fiction, I'm an unknown author at the bottom of a very big genre. And, mm-hmm. and that's the problem. It's how, how do you then lift yourself up there? Because keywords don't do it. Until you get some traction, your author name, which is, I guess, your, your essential keyword, it, it, it doesn't mean anything. It has no ranking, does it, until you, until you can get that traction. So I think that's the problem with fiction all the time. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's, it is very difficult because with fiction, you don't really have the unique selling point, do you, of nonfiction? I mean, you can't say to someone, you know, read this novel because it will teach you what you need to know about setting up a blog. It's like, read this novel because it will be entertaining and well every novel can say that you know it's just like why why one novel over another and of course you know people make choices and people do have reasons for picking specific books but i think it is a lot harder to kind of have that clear message or to think well what are people going to type in if they're looking for this kind of novel 
I don't even look for novels by typing stuff in. I just kind of go and browse what's in the top hundred or whatever. And I'm sure lots of other people do as well. Yeah, I'm the same. I, whatever takes my fancy, mm. really. And, and obviously, you you have re, um, writers that you gravitate to. Sure. But I'm a, I'm a very much pick and mix, whatever takes my fancy kind of guy. Yeah, and I may think for me, it's often what what have friends recommended, or you know, you know what's yeah you know, what what have I read recently that's I, I kind of like to find something like that, and I maybe look okay, have they written another book or something? Um, I can certainly see the value of, of doing sort of trilogies and series as a self-publisher because sometimes even if I read the first book in a series and it's kind of so-so you know I might give it three stars well like, hey I've kind of already got invested in the characters and it's easy to just pick up the next one and to be honest with two small children <laughs> like the fewer decisions I make the better so I think <laughs> I think definitely having multiple books out is in that's why I'm trying to prioritize the writing rather than the marketing because I think trying to market two novels at the moment beyond a certain point is probably not going to do anything much I might as well at least finish the trilogy you have some incredible testimonials on your linkedin profile i'm just going to embarrass you <laughs> with you. a couple of these uh, the good <laughs> ones you'll be pleased to hear but they are all good ones but listen to this ali is a world-class writing coach to any blogger who wants to improve their writing uh, ali is a phenomenal writer ali is hands down the best writer i've ever worked with that's pretty good stuff to have on your LinkedIn profile so this has all come from working with people i assume yeah from different clients and <laughs> to be honest i don't even use LinkedIn very much but I do have some of my clients have been very big on LinkedIn and very kind in the things they'll say um yeah I think I at the moment I'm in the position which is it's just lovely I guess where I get emails in from people saying hey can I work with you and I'm having to say to everyone sorry not till January at the absolute earliest because I just have no time to take on any clients right now I have you know like I have enough clients and enough work I have more than enough work which is nice I mean I would have killed to be in this position you know eight years ago (laughs) but Mm. yeah so um, yeah, it's just people I've worked with usually offering testimonials kind of unsolicited. Sometimes I've said to people, would you mind writing a few words? And almost always people have been more than delighted to do so. Um, I found with testimonials, not everyone will just think of it unless you kind of give them a little nudge. And when people have asked me in a similar way, I've always been very happy to do it and kind of glad to have the opportunity to say something nice about them. Yeah, testimonials do make the the world go round these mm. days. I think that that it's the modern word of mouth, mm-hmm. isn't it? That social recommendation is is so important. Um, can we talk about writers' huddle, sure. uh, if we may? Um, t- what is writers' huddle, and and how does it work? I describe it as a teaching stroke community site. It has monthly content, usually seminars, sometimes video, either with me or with me plus a guest speaker on a particular aspect of writing it's pretty broad so it can be kind of something like writing dialogue or it could be something like setting up a blog and we've got forums uh where members can chat we run occasional challenges and things through the forums so it's supposed to be both a kind of social space and somewhere that you can just take your writing further learn something new it's also a bunch of self-study courses that we sometimes run through as a group um again it's it's something where i wanted to do more marketing of it than i've been able to i launched writers huddle at the very start of 2012 which was also when I was in the middle of writing the dummies book, uh, Marketing Lycopolis, and you know, as yet unknown to me, about to become pregnant. So, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah I, don't, I don't know what the lesson here is. Um, it's like, don't, try not to do everything at once in your career and your life. But yeah, um, it's, it's been a fantastic opportunity, though, as I guess as a writer and as an entrepreneur, because it brings in monthly income for me. It's been a good chance to get to know a small bunch of writers much better and to really see them kind of taking strides with their freelancing, with their novels or what have you. And and I think it's become a, 
a kind of friendly and welcoming place you know certainly all the members seem to gel really nicely together it's you know it's been a really fun thing to be part of and i'm very much hoping to kind of take that further next year probably to relaunch a rebrand so you kind of keep the same name but you know really improve the design and stuff of the site around next february which will be the five-year anniversary of it wow i mean the 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 impulse is is right back to those early days of internet marketing which is residual income the Mm -hmm. monthly income uh that's why i'm very interested in it because as a writing model it's great isn't it if you've got residual income and a certain amount of money coming in every month before you even draw breath it certainly helps keep things steady and i guess for me in the last few years when i've gone off on maternity leave i've I've just recorded lots of seminars ahead of time and queued things up and you know got an assistant in to just do a little bit of admin work um and that's meant that i can cut that so i get the income from writers huddle i get the income from from ebooks and from and from you know my pitiful fiction royalties <laughs> coming in <laughs> despite the fact that i'm on maternity leave um and not working so that has been yeah that was it was really helpful for me at that stage and do you put your non-fiction do you make it available on amazon um no because uh, that's not to say i won't in the future with some projects the ones i have out at the moment are the bloggers guides partly because when i very first launched them it was almost before people had really got into buying ebooks on amazon and i'm sure you know this kind of coming from the blogging sort of slightly seo internet marketing world they, you know the whole thing of kind of ebooks as a premium product which you sell from your own landing page with lots of yellow highlighter but i avoid that but you can and so so the bloggers guides are kind of positioned as premium ebooks they've got a lot of screenshots in they come with bonus videos and templates and stuff they sell at full price 29 dollars each um as a four pack 66 dollars for the four which is way more than i could charge on amazon <laughs> and yeah. a make sales and b get any sort of sensible rate of royalty from it so they're just a different kind of thing in the future i might well do something more mass market through amazon so i quite like to write something on kind of you know finding the time to write as a busy parent which i feel there's a bit of a gap in the market for uh so so nothing against using amazon for non-fiction but i think for very specialized kind of premium non-fiction it's not really the, the right marketplace for for it that's fascinating that you really are rooted in, in internet marketing um i i saw this all over on your mm-hmm. web presence because you're quite right i started selling ebooks those were the first books i wrote i had five or six i think i used to have and i used to actually use them do, do you remember joint venture giveaways did you ever do that i used to build my email list by giving them away I was, yeah i was never sort of i don't know i didn't maybe never got into that I, I was always a little bit iffy about joint ventures i, I quite like to be doing my own thing yes. <laughs> i'm that sort of writer you know yeah well you know i, I built my original list to five thousand doing that uh, just yeah. just giving those away um yeah that's how i got things going but um I, I, it's interesting i found it much more difficult as a writer to to build the list you know having the as you said earlier having the listed to sign up for the emails do you have you found anything that works for you to get that list built up um so i guess i have i have two lists one which is for my fiction books which probably has you know all of like 10 people plus my mum <laughs> um, yeah i think there's, there's I things in the back of my books but you know i haven't to be honest i haven't done what i should be doing in, in kind of using that but i i kind of struggle slightly with what's the incentive for someone to sign up for an email list for a fiction author they've not yet read a book from so i've kind of been reluctant to even bother promoting it apart from in the back of my books so once they've read a novel they can kind of sign up to hear about the next then i have on my other list somewhere around three thousand people um signed up for my ali ventures newsletter which is about kind of writing and blogging and the the you know yeah that's the sort of non-fiction side of what i do and that's where i kind of sell my ebooks on my e-courses and stuff and yeah that's been that's been fine i mean in terms of sign up 
ebooks definitely improved when I started offering an incentive. I now have several little ebooks and I try and promote different ones on different posts. So when I did the um, read, did the make how I make a living writing one that you mentioned slightly earlier i did a pdf version of that post with a bit of extra material and then people can sign up there to get that so i'm trying to tailor the incentive to what they've just read if that makes sense people who've been brought up on on amazon would be outraged to know that we were flogging pdf files for i know it's horrible yeah 29 dollars for a pdf (laughs) what the hell is this yeah but i guess it's just it's kind of what you're used to isn't it um i forget the exact name for it but it's kind of you know, price points. Like when you come into a market and you think, okay, so like an ebook is ninety nine dollars, which a lot of them were when I was getting into blogging. You know, a lot of the specialised information, you know, it's got information marketing was what they called it. And and then if you're kind of used to ebooks being expensive, then you come to Amazon and they're all like, you know, two or three dollars, or, or they're on Kindle Unlimited. You think, what the hell's wrong with this ebook? <laughs> it's so cheap. <laughs> uh, it really has pushed the prices down. I mean, it just makes it difficult to make money, doesn't it? Really. I think I think it does depend on what you're writing and i maybe think i I think i got into this a bit in the dummies book but perhaps not as much as i should have i feel like if you're writing something that's got a big audience then you're fine on amazon because you know as long as you can sell enough copies it doesn't matter if you're only getting a dollar per copy but something like my bloggers guides when really they're a very specific niche of people you know they're aimed at people who want to to set up a blog and be better at blogging or do freelance blogging or something i'm sure i could rework some of those and make them a bit more general and put them on amazon but they are quite easy to target so i can write a guest post and kind of target the ebooks without much trouble and they continue to sell well despite me not doing a lot of marketing of them you know i sell them at full price even though you can sign up for my newsletter and get a 35 percent off discount code and so on so people are clearly finding the site who don't already know me and they're buying the ebooks so i've no complaints well i think there are a lot of tricks that can be learned about about marketing from looking at your site can you just tell us the, the main places where people can find out about you online because you are all over aren't you i am a bit so <laughs> my, my my hub is aliventures.com so that's a-l-i-v-e-n-t-u-r-e-s.com and that's where i blog every week you can sign up for my newsletter and my free ebooks and, and all sorts of stuff there the bloggers guides are at bloggers-guides.com and you can you can check them out there you can read the testimonials buy them if you if you feel so inspired um yeah then you can if you google ali luke you'll find you'll find me all over the place um yeah, you are you know, too, yes i am yeah i'm just everywhere and i'm on twitter as well at um twitter.com forward slash ali ventures the same as my my blog url so you know very happy to hear from people and yeah do do check out some of the stuff i'm doing thank you for listening to this week's self-publishing journeys if you enjoyed the show please consider sharing it with your indie author friends or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcast directory you use. If you're new to self-publishing, you might also like to check out selfpublishingacademy.com, the step-by-step guide to getting your manuscript off your hard drive and into print. In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week.